Okay, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 9. And we're going to be seeing new beginnings on earth as Noah and his sons are chosen to repopulate and to start new on the earth. Now, before, what had happened was when God was flooding the earth, he commanded Noah to take uh, animals, two of every kind, male and female, that were brought onto the ark. And for about a year, they were on the ark together, Noah and his family, and all these animals, however many there were, we're not sure, but uh, eight people all together with numerous, numerous uh, amounts of animals waiting for God to say, come on out, that it's safe. Now, what had happened was is God flooded the earth as it was completely out of control. Uh, the earth was completely out of control. It was a mess, and God said that that was it. I needed to do something about it. So m many will say that, wow, that is absolutely horrible. Why would God do such a thing? Yet there's other people that like to say when, when they see such destruction in the world, people will question and ask, why doesn't God do anything about this? Well, we're seeing that he did. But he displays his heart of love, just as he does with dealing with wrong in the world in chapter 8. We observed how he dealt with a wicked world, but in chapter 9 it shows how he does have a love for mankind and his creation. Now, what's interesting is not far from me where I, where I live is there's a large park with a nature area. Uh, there's a lot of trails that I like to hike around as much as often. I even like to go up there to pray as much as often as well. And from time to time, I see some bird watchers in the area. And at times, I actually find myself watching them. And the reason being is that they have such a passion and an interest in what they're observing. You know, they'll put their binoculars away. Once they see a bird, they'll put, them, they'll put the binoculars away and they start shuffling through their little notebook, frantically looking to write something down. Or, or at times, they're looking to uh, find something that speaks about what it is they're looking at. And the reason being is because to them they're catching a glimpse at something that's rare, or maybe rare at times. And if there's something that I've learned from watching them, it's their passion. See, their passion gives them insights to things that most people typically ignore. And as bird watchers take so much interest and passion and attention to every move and attribute of that bird, I pray that we will show as much, if not more, attention and desire toward God. After all, that's exactly what he does with us. Now, if, if you remember having children, for those that, ha that have had children, and, and watching them grow, and I speak for myself as well, you intently watch every move, okay? They, every move they make, an attribute of them. And he does that with us, right? We, we, we observe everything they're doing. When they start to crawl, we, we get this excitement about it. When they start to walk... We, we watch them very closely. And then as they become into that toddler stage, you know, they, we start to observe their little attributes. We start to see what it is that they, they like to play with. The things they observe. Their, their demeanor. And at times, for me, when I observe other parents that have watched their kids do that, I just see them stare and smile at them. And with my kids, I used to just kind of quietly watch them from around a corner without them knowing that I was watching them. And for me, as I speak for myself, I'd watch every little move they make. And to me, it was just such a fascinating thing. Because that was your children. And I think grandparents, even more so, probably experienced that with grandchildren. Because at that time, you almost forget what your children did. Now you have grandchildren to observe. But you see, God doesn't have grandchildren. No matter how old you are, whether you're a newborn to 80 to 90 years of age, 
We're all his children, and he observes us and treats us exactly the same. He's still fascinated with us. He still has a fascination with every little thing we do. And and, and that's the, the awesome thing about God, is that he, he, he looks at us that way. He, it says in the, in First Peter, Peter talks about how angels are even surprised on why God chose us uh, to be doing what we're doing. The angels don't even understand. <laughs> and yet God's seen something in us. But he sees all things in us. He sees everything. And I've seen a quote that speaks volumes as of recently. It says that those who kneel before God can stand before anyone. Well, as always, the, the opportunity will be given to do so. And may we see God's glory and work in the lives of those in the past, but we, may we also learn from the wonderful examples that he gave us. Now, if you have a Bible, uh, let's go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 9. And if you don't have a Bible, uh, as again, I always read to you, um, and on the website we also have a little Bible tab that you can click on which allows you to follow electronically the Bible in itself, whatever chapter. Uh, I read from a New King James Version, so if you want to follow along in that one, that would probably be best, but I know that there's a lot of versions out there that uh, others like to read from. Uh, but the option's there. But if not, a lot of people uh, might be on the road... And this is what I designed this for, uh, was for people who might be on the road or people who might not uh, have a Bible with them at the time. They're not in church. Again, this is for anybody and everybody, no matter where you're at. The goal is for this to reach you wherever you're at. God reaches us wherever we're at. So I pray again that this reaches you in, in the most remote places even. As long as you have a computer then you should be able to hear the word of God being taught. Now let's take a look here at Genesis chapter 9. I'm going to be looking at verses 1 through 7. So it says, So God blessed Noah and his sons, and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth, on every bird of the air, on all that move on the earth, and all the fish of the sea, they are given into your hand. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as the green herbs. But you shall not eat flesh with the life that is its blood. Surely for your life blood I will demand a reckoning. From the hand of every beast I will require it. And from the hand of man, from the hand of every man's brother, I will require the life of a man. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. And as for you, be fruitful and multiply. Bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply in it. So as God establishes his covenant with Noah by allowing him and his family to live, he establishes some new rules. But the first task was to start over again and repopulate. He gave Adam the first charge in Genesis chapter 1, and that he would have dominion over the animals and all living things on the earth. And now Noah had the same charge, but with a few changes. And one of them was a dietary change, as he was able to consume meat, as uh, the world before the flood was vegetarian. Nowhere in the uh, in the beginning stages of the of the Bible did we ever see anybody eating meat. Now this was the first indication that God gave that He was now allowed to eat uh, to eat meat. Now, and I'm personally glad for that. I 
I definitely am a big barbecue person, so I'm glad that he allowed that. But as always, God knows what he's doing. Okay, with the earth's changes, it would it would take a while to grow vegetables or to grow anything just to, uh, to sustain them. So meat was now introduced. So God gave Noah some important rules to it all. He said that whatever eaten, it should not have blood running through its body. Now there was to be a form of respect to the animals. But I, I have referenced the book of Leviticus and the laws given, and, and this in Genesis was the start of all those laws. But Leviticus chapter 7 verse 14, God said, For it is the life of all flesh, its blood sustains its life. Therefore, I said to, ha to the children of Israel, you shall not eat the blood of any flesh, for the life of all flesh is its blood. Whoever eats of it shall be cut off. Now, I, I think we can relate to this law. After all, the very first thing that people do before they're cooking meat is they wash it off. Okay, so blood tends to carry disease and other issues. So we see that, that God was protecting the people at the time because, again, what he creates, he knows best. You know, the first thing we do is wash it. And, and therefore, again, with the blood, uh, f from the sense of what God was referring to, you were not to drink the blood or to eat of it because of the... Because of the um, not just because of uh, disease issues, that's definitely one of it, but there was more of a of a respect issue. As other nations from other regions that became paganistic would go against what God said to do. But see, at this time here, relations between man and the animal kingdom have completely changed. But unfortunately, so did relations between man and one another. See, God presents to Noah the first capital punishment for murder in verse 5. In the earlier stages of the Bible, Cain kills his brother, Abel, and that was the first recorded uh, murder known to man. And over years, see, it must have really gone on rapidly. Um, you know, we look at the reasons for laws that were given to us. These laws were to prevent and to stop what was rapidly declining, which is why we have laws in our own countries. But God, you know, God brought this to bring accountability for our actions. Man was made in God's image. Interacting with others is interacting with other created beings made in God's image, just like you and I harming others, that he grants eternal life if they choose to receive it. And if they don't, well, we don't get to choose their last day on earth. That's God's decision to do. Blood, while it circulates the heart, represents life. While blood is still in the body, it's a representation of life. When blood exits, exits the body, it's a representation of death. And it would be recognized that if God implements this law toward murder, that it was likely that it was one of the more common acts that was going on before the flood. See, if there's no repercussions, then in someone's eyes, there's no wrong. In what's in what was done, especially if there's a, especially if their conscience is not affected, then that indicates that God um, has been shut out of their lives. They're, they shut God out of their lives. See, He said to be fruitful and multiply, and God said, as they were new founders of population to uphold what God had said, no longer will someone commit murder and get away with it. So uphold the standard, which is what God was uh, giving Noah to do as a leader amongst his family and as well as the population as well. Now, in today's day and age, we have the ability uh, to, to look at statistics because of the laws we have. We have enforcement. 
And with technology, we also have recorded documentation of the things that go on in this world. So what we have here is the ability to look up statistics. We have the ability to look online to see how many murders have been committed in a particular city or in a state. And as we look at our, our day and age, this is being recorded in September of 2016, we definitely uh, continue to see a decline. Some areas just really seem to be declining in that form of murder. Now, it's not just murder, but it's also everything else you could think of from theft, uh, car theft, uh, house theft, break-ins, uh, robberies, murders, rapes, you know, everything you could think of. Uh, domestic violence is another big thing. A lot of these things are, are starting to uh, continue to get worse and worse. And as we look at what was being done right now in our day and age we have to really question how bad was it back then to where God said I have absolutely seen enough I mean around the world there was no there was obviously no form of law enforcement we never seen laws in the scriptures people were doing everything in their that was right in their own mind and eyes so thank God that he did what he did because it seems to me like murder was probably a very common thing and we look at uh, everything else that goes on. And if you followed along in previous chapters, we had seen that the fallen angels, the fallen angels that came down with Satan, were inhabiting bodies of men and, and basically taking wives on for themselves and, and uh, producing children as well. And that's when God really said, okay, I've had enough. So with that, that was, seemed to be the, uh, the straw that broke the camel's back there. Now, and when we see... The things we see, we, we really have to th say to ourselves, like, well, what's, what's next? <laughs> what is God going to do next? But again, we're going to see his glory here. We're going to see his love and his mercies. But we're also going to see that God doesn't allow just anybody to do whatever they want. Let's observe uh, verse 8 to 17 here. And it says, Then God spoke to Noah and his sons with him, saying... And as for me, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. And with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, of all that go out of the ark, every beast of the earth, thus I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant which I... Make between me and you and every living creature that is with you. For perpetual generations I set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh." The rainbow shall be in the cloud, and I will look on it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. When we see covenants made in the Bible, uh, they are, what they are is they're promises that were made between two people normally. And it's an unbreakable promise that was to be made between those who made it. 
But God made covenants with certain people in the Bible. And what is neat to see was that every covenant that God made, he was he kept it. He never broke anything. Now, some may think or say, well, how can that be when we see floods in, in, in certain areas uh, around the world? Well, what God said was, is he said that he would never flood the earth again, which he hasn't. Now, certain regions have been flooded, but not the earth as a whole. So when you see a rainbow in the sky after a rain, remember what you have seen in this chapter. That, that rainbow in the sky was God's reminder to the world. His promise and his promise in a pleasant view was there for all to see. And when we see that in the sky, remember that it was a covenant for all mankind. In fact, how we know that God showed the world a rainbow and, is, and how he is surrounded by it was also seen by the prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 1 verse 28 and also John the, the apostle in the book of Revelation. Um, the apostle John was brought up to heaven and he seen the, the rainbow around his throne. And Ezekiel, hundreds of years before John, written in a completely different place and time, in his vision of God, seen the same exact thing and documented it in the same exact form. And as a child, I was always fascinated with seeing one. Um, as I seen why, you know, they, they exist. They exist and the, the, the fascination grew in, grew in me as I got older in years you know when I was a kid you didn't really think much of it but when you read about it now the fascination becomes a little more real and I, I pray that when your children are outside or driving in the car and they start to point with excitement about what they're seeing in the sky that there, that there will be an excitement on your end to explain why and how that came to our existence now after reading nine chapters of the beginning of the Bible God has really exposed his heart pretty you know for quite a bit here but there's also there's so much more to him over a period of years i've heard personal outlooks of god and as some see him the way they want to see him when in fact that the bible shows us the way that god wants us to see him it's not about what we want to see the bible is representing him and what he wants us to see and if there's something that i can say about god is that he he does what he wants when he wants okay god is always perfect and he's always knowing of all things. He, he cannot sin. It clearly says in, in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 13, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, that I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. See, God never knew sin, nor did he ever know wrong. But what God knew how to do was to fix it at least. See, he shows love and mercy to all who ask for it. And, and he allows justice for those who want nothing to do with him, which is why I will stress every so often that how can we say that we know God or his heart and his attributes if we haven't even read the whole Bible before? And, and as best as possible on my behalf, I, I can never even do him complete justice in his glory and his love and his attributes. No one can. You know, the, the goal is to be able to get, to, to get us to him to witness it firsthand. That is the, the first and foremost of the goal. The goal of this ministry, which should be the goal of every single ministry, is to make God known. And to bring people to Him. And that's what He wanted. That's the whole reason why we were created. But He gives us the choice. And we're going to see that as time goes on. But He gave the people the choice too, begin in the beginning of this time, 
to basically repent as Noah spent 120 years in the building of the ark, hopefully trying to preach to the people that was going on that, that, that something was coming down. But again, nobody heeded the warning. Let's look at verse 18. Now, the sons of Noah who went out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham was the father of Canaan. And these three were the sons of Noah, and from these the whole earth was populated. And Noah began to be a farmer, and he planted a vineyard. And then he drank of the wine and was drunk and became uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on their shoulders, and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father, and their faces were turned away, and they did not see their father's nakedness. So the Bible introduces the three sons who are chosen to repopulate the earth. A, a refounding of, of ethnic backgrounds. And, and there always seems to be one in the family that likes to stir up trouble here. And I've always wondered myself if his, if his name was used for the term that he's quite a ham, you know. Uh, when someone describes a troublemaker or a prankster, they, they always call him a ham. So I almost wondered if this is where it came from. Uh, as for Noah, here we have the first person on earth to get drunk. Uh, as he grew a vineyard and figured out how to make a drink out of the fermented grapes, uh, he decided to uh, go a little overboard on it here. Uh, some chapters back, I mentioned that Noah was outstanding, okay, compared to the rest of the world in God's eyes. But, I also made known that he wasn't sinless. Because I knew that what was the what was to come for Noah here, and I wanted to make sure in the previous chapters that there was no misunderstanding that Noah was without sin, didn't want anybody to think that. Okay, so not one human on earth was was or is sinless. In fact, First John chapter one verse ten says that if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So I just wanted to make sure that that was clarified that he was he was not sinless, but he was definitely a shining star at the time in his generation. And over time, I've heard conversations about this incident, about Noah being drunk. And, and some people will say that, well, Noah didn't know any better, so he's in the clear. Now, here's the thing. If, you, if you've ever drank alcohol before, and even the beginning stages causes you to feel a little different, a little different enough to make you say, hey, what's going on here? The room is starting to spin. And as you carry on, it starts to get worse and worse. Now, I'll, I remember uh, as a child, I'll tell you a little story here. I was uh, i never forgot it, actually. My dad and I were driving around looking for somewhere to eat. And my dad pointed at a restaurant and he said, Hey, how about that one over there, son? And and I, uh, I noticed up on the sign that it said, uh, Alcohol in Spirits. And I said, No, I don't want to go in there. It's haunted. They have spirits. And then he explained why it was called spirits. He says, No, son. He said, uh, We actually call that spirits because what happens is that when people start to drink a little too much alcohol, uh, different spirits start to come out of them. I'm like, Oh. So if, if you have been in that boat before, you, you, you know what's being said. Alcohol gives people the ability to, to say things that they wouldn't normally say with a sober mind. In fact, I know people out there that used to uh, would typically bring people out to dinner and, and put some drinks in them and use it as a form of truth serum. 
because you know when you start to drink it loosens you up and you don't think clearly because you want to you want to start speaking more and that alcohol gives you the ability to say things that you won't even remember saying and it brings out a whole different spirit in you see drunkenness you know it's been a worldwide downfall causes you to do and say things that ruin lives whether it be your life or maybe even an innocent bystander and that's just a handful of the many things it does now ham Ham was definitely not someone that you would want to rely on if you if you fell, okay? He he would be the one taking pictures of you and posting them around town. But the other two sons, Japheth and Shem, they showed respect to their father. Now, many years after this, Moses was presented the 10 commandments of God. And there was one commandment that God gave with a promise. And that and that commandment was to honor your mother and father and that you will have a long life on earth. Now, the, the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. And Noah's two older sons displayed that as they covered Noah, their father, with the garment and not observing his downfall. Now, throughout the Bible, God reminds us that not only that he not only forgives, but he'll also forget our transgressions. It says it in the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verse 25. He says, I, even I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. So we see that Shem and Japheth, they were godly examples of how to be as sons and daughters. See, everyone falls, and everyone wants mercy, no matter how bad they seem. But, you know, if there's something that I've learned in life is that the only time that we should look down on someone is when we're actually helping them off the ground. And, and we can see that Shem and Japheth were those, those examples of such. They had, a, they had a respect for their father, knowing that, you know what, hey, he did something here that wasn't right, but let's go ahead and, let's go ahead and cover him with love. And we're going to see the blessings of that right now, of what came with that. Let's observe uh, verses 24 to 29. So Noah awoke from his wine and knew that his younger son had, what his younger son had done to him. And then he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, he shall be to his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and may he dwell in the tents of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. And Noah lived after the flood 350 years. So all the days of Noah were 950 years, and then he died. So what happens here is Noah wakes up to hear about what happened, and he curses Canaan, which is one of Ham's sons. There was a possibility here that Canaan was probably part of the issue. We don't know exactly, as it didn't say, but the, the question is, is, why would he go after Canaan? Well, as we know in the Bible, Canaan was actually the location of where Israel and also the Phoenician area that, that was along the coast that goes all the way up to Lebanon. And it was, it was known as the nation of Canaan at that time, in ancient time. Uh, Noah could have been giving Ham a little bit of an insight on what was to come as they were cursed. Okay, the land, the land was actually conquered, which is what conquered people became, okay, as a, as a servant, but not by desire. And Noah maybe had a glimpse of what was to come here, I don't know, but the blessings of Shem and Japheth were mentioned as Canaan was called as a servant. See, the line of Shem were the Semitic people. 
which was what Israel is, and, and along other countries uh, neighboring them in the east. It was uh, the Israelites of Semitic line that conquered Canaan during the time of, during the time of uh, or after the time of no, uh, Moses during the the Exodus. Uh, things to come that Noah spoke of basically was what he was bringing. This was not a direct curse upon upon a race, but it was upon the Canaanite nation. Ham's descendants were scattered from Egypt, uh, Turkey, the Philistine territory of the of the coast, and in Africa as well. That's where Ham's descendants have um, pretty much uh, descended from. And then we have Japheth was the founder um, around the areas of of Europe and Asia Minor areas, which, as as Noah said, may he have a large covering, which he did. There was a very large covering in in the uh, founding of Japheth. Now, as were Shem. Shem was of the Hebrew and the Middle East areas. So that's where we, again, we get the term of Semitic. And, and now we have come to the end of Noah's life. Noah lived 350 years after uh, the flood during this time. He, he went on for another 350 years. And he was a blessing within his generation. He had a 950 year lifespan. Now, after all this, in the next chapters, it's, it's going to get very interesting. Gen- Genesis definitely has a lot of things that shows us how things came to be. But as we look at the end of Noah's days and his example and the example of his sons, I, I guess one question is what what did we get out of it? See, I will continue to stress the importance of following what is said. The Bible was not given to us for the sake of just a good read or for decoration on bookshelves. It was meant to be read and followed, which is one of the uh, one of my favorite verses in in the book of James chapter 1:22 says to be doers of the word, not just hearers. Which is what uh one of the mission statements are on on this ministry, to be doers of the word, not just hearers of it. You know, the Bible The Bible is one of the most highest sold books in the world. It, no, I'm sorry, it is the most highest sold book in the world. But unfortunately, it seems to be one of the less followed. It's amazing the amount of, of prints and the, the amount of manufacturing that the Bible has produced. But the unfortunate thing is, is that when you open it in certain households, it seems like a cloud of dust comes out. See, our lifespans are a lot shorter these days. And it hits me a lot as I study and teach the Bible. You know, looking at these examples, whether they're good or bad, I want to be in God's good graces. And I thank the Lord for, for His Word because He shows what's good and what's not. See, God doesn't build crooked roads. Man did that. God builds straight roads. It, it's said in His Word that the narrow is... The, the narrow is the gate, but wide is the gate that leads to destruction. You can't get lost on a straight road unless you go off on your own direction. So if, if you want to live in the presence of God, well, then you have made the best decision of your life. And you, and you have the opportunity to obtain eternal life through Christ, who, who died for our sins. So the question is, is where do you want to spend eternity? Where do you want to be when it's all said and done? God gives the choice. Do you want to travel the straight road where you will never get lost? Or do you want to take a chance and, and, and hit those trails that, that might lead you to somewhere where, out of curiosity, you just thought, why not take a chance? 
Well, eternity is not something that we can take a chance with. But again, we serve a loving God who willfully will take anybody who receives Him in truth. So again, I want to give the opportunity because I said in the beginning that those who kneel before God will have the ability to stand before anyone. So if you want to receive God, there is a simple prayer that you could repeat. And I'll give that now if you want to close your eyes and if you feel that the Lord has led you to receive Him as your Lord and Savior, say this prayer after me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of my sins. Lord, I come before you, Lord, as a sinner, asking you to forgive me and to wash me of all my sins, Lord. Father, I believe you. I believe that you sent your Son to die on the cross for my sins, Lord. So I ask, Lord, that you would wash my sins. And Lord, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Father, thank you for having me. And Lord, thank you for coming into my heart, as I am now one of yours. Father, I love you. I praise you. And I receive you now in Jesus' most precious name. So I want to thank you again for being a part of this. And I, I pray again that wherever you are, that, that if you said this prayer, if I don't get to meet you here on earth, I can't wait to meet you in, in our home in eternity. And again, this is the calling and this is the, this is the will that, that God has given us to, to, to lead people to Him. So may you stay the course and may you seek Him in all things. May God bless and keep you and your families. And may you also be used mightily in His works.